Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It's your Caper Sarah Cody, and we're keeping it geekly with our returning guest, Mick Byers. We're here to break down a Queen of Mars issues one through three and everything in between. Mick, welcome back on the show. How have you been? Been pretty good, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking backstage, just coming off a, uh, you know, last time we had you on, we had you on a kit for a Kickstarter for Royu. Uh, now we're getting you back on for another one. Uh, two totally different worlds, too. So I love kind of branching into uh, this side of things. But before we get too far into this talk, give us a little bit about who you are and uh, how you got into creating comics. Uh, and feel free to, uh, you can feel free to summarize that since you've last been on and we can kind of uh, <laughs> put that video on, too. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've always been reading comics, um, always been drawing. It wasn't until I went to Disneyland and I had a life-changing experience that I really, like, buckled down and dedicated myself to getting books finished. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and since then, it's been, it's been a nonstop thrill ride, if I'm being honest. I've been, <laughs> like, more productive. I've gotten so much done. Like, I've not just written and drawn my own books now. Um, I've worked with other writers that's been a great experience. Charlie Stickney on White Ash, Clay Adams on uh, Dream Quest. And I'd like, I'm at the point now where like, I just really enjoy what I do and look forward to drawing the next project. That is so awesome. So give us a little bit about how uh, the Kickstarter went for Roy you and uh, everything in between. How was fulfillment for you? Uh, Roya was really simple. Like, uh, my Kickstarter so far have been about half and half digital and physical pledges and Royo had 91 backers. So like I got that whole thing fulfilled in like a single morning. It was wow, super simple. <laughs> yeah. It was a very, just like every aspect of that project was very relaxed and, uh, I loved, I mean, like certainly I like projects with bigger numbers, but, mm -hmm. uh, to have as a project that, you know, it was a book I had just sitting around ready to go. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have another home for it. And to be able to take it to Kickstarter, have it fun successfully. And then just everything about the process was, was a breeze. So it's I, nice to have those once in a while. If I remember correctly, you also offered some pretty unique uh, rewards, such as like sketch covers and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, were there any unique uh, requests that you had? um for the sketch covers for royo no like i had a one person i did some paper dolls too on that one and like oh, one cool. person wanted a, a paper doll of their uh their dog uh one person wanted a paper doll of a character from this series from my martian series Cartigat, who's a 15 foot tall green alien so it was is <laughs> pretty nice to to uh kind of put him in like a western situation it was fun mm -hmm. figuring that out so uh, what is a paper doll? Um, oh, I should have grabbed one. I don't know that I have one over here. So uh, part of the inspiration for Roya was old Archie comics. Uh, mm -hmm. Dan DiCarlo, Stan Goldberg, some of those artists. And frequently in those old Archie books, they'll have a page where it's just, you know, here's a paper doll of Katie Keene with like a different outfit. Divine, this, uh, oh, you put the outfit uh, over them? Readers. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So okay, like yeah. I would send like a blank you know and then have different outfits to match them in yeah and it no, was that is fun. really cool that's really cool so what did you do for like the dog like a bandana or something yeah i did a bandana a hat he had a holster oh that's and, awesome uh a, a little a little vest with a sheriff badge 
No, that is awesome. I love that. So, uh, as an artist, you know, uh, I'm sure you you stay busy drawing all the time. Right now, drawing a a, 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 a board for a cover as well as we as we speak. Uh, what kind of goes into this? Do you like to listen to any sort of music, or like what type of mindset do you like put yourself into for a long day of drawing? Um, I don't actually listen to a lot of music. I listen to old time radio shows, so like mm-hmm. The Shadow, The Saint, uh, Philip Marlowe, a lot of detective suspense, mystery stuff as predominantly what I listen to. Um, I share an office space with Clay Adams now, which is where I'm at right now. So frequently I just have to listen to him ramble on. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's not bad. I, I've learned to kind of tune it out and focus on what I'm doing. Oh, that's awesome. So I is it Clay Adams, like uh, the one that we know in the indie comic sphere, or is it a different Clay yeah. Adams? Yeah, no, that's him. He, uh, PBOW, Blazing Blade of Frankenstein, Red Xmas, yeah. That, wow that, yeah. what a small what a small world that is that is so awesome so i mean you like listening to a lot of different radio shows is there any sort of like special media that you like to consume that kind of gives you good inspiration for drawing different designs or anything oh uh, i used to try that like i would spend some time putting playlists together or picking certain movies to watch while i draw but like that system fell apart pretty quickly Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, there are 250 some surviving episodes of the shadow radio show. And I've listened to that entire series <laughs> 50 or 60 times. And it's just like, it's, it's become white noise. And it's like, it's, it's my go-to at this point because I can tune in or tune out as necessary. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of always there. It's comforting drone in the background. Yeah, I always loved, uh, I used to do that a lot with like TV shows, uh, like Futurama was a, was a big one where I would kind of just pop that on in the background and it's like, you like listen to it, know exactly what was going on without yeah, even having yeah. to watch it. Yeah. So with, uh, with us talking about a Queen of Mars issues one through three, this is kind of a different story compared to, uh, Roy, you can, or Ryu, excuse me, can you give us a little bit about what this is about and, um, do you do any sort of different like art styles or techniques within this compared to your other book? Uh, so with Royo, I colored it, which was the rarity there. I rarely ever color in general, and that's the only book I've ever even attempted to color. So mm-hmm. uh, with the Martian book, it's like a raw pencil look um, is what I use. I've got my favorite brush and clip studio that I use for everything, even when I do color. And uh, for the Mars books, I just leave it at that. Like, I just have that pencil pass. I'll do a slightly darker, like, closer to black ink layer on top. But for the most part, it's just a, a raw pencil look um, that I use. So, uh, how, how long is the book? Um, so, this one is going to be... Each book is 48 pages. This one has 44 pages of story, like okay. the uh, last one, Queen of Mars 2. Um, and it's the... It's not the last book in the series, mm-hmm. but it is the final chapter of like the opening arc. Um, had I to do over again, I would have named the series A Dream of Mars. <laughs> and A Queen of Mars was just the first arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about that when I launched the first book, which I launched under the name He May Yet Conquer. So I've already changed the title once when I changed it to Queen of Mars and I didn't want to change it a third time or a second time uh, to a dream of Mars. So uh, 
the whole series now is Queen of Mars, and I'm like slightly rewriting the next arc mm -hmm. to make that still work somehow. <laughs> so, what is uh, a Queen of Mars about? I mean, I think we've talked about it a little bit beforehand. Uh, there is a safer work and not safer work options with this series, correct? Yeah, so it is inspired by Edgar Rice Burroughs' uh, Barsoom novels, uh, A Princess of Mars. Uh, the Gods of Mars, Warlord of Mars, and Thuvia, Maid of Mars, the first four books in his uh, Barsoom series, starring John Carter, famously of a gigantic Disney flop 10 years ago. Uh, but so the first seven books, I think, are in the public domain. I'm basing my story off of content from the first four books. Um, and kind of the premise of this story is that John Carter shows up he completely changes the world these people live in but then like the barsoom stories are just adventure stories he just moves on and continues to have adventure so what i'm doing with a queen of mars is kind of exploring the world and it's like this force of nature has just moved through and changed everything how do the people that have lived there their whole lives and will continue to live there how do they deal with you know how the world has changed so that's what this is about um Fedor of Thern, who is the, the queen in the title. Mm -hmm. um, her, she was a, I don't know, second string villain in the series. And like her father was one of his like nemesi. Uh, so using her as like this, you know, sea change character, following her progress, like coming back to her people after having uh been swept up in john carter's you know adventures like she comes back to her people and what message does she bring what change does she bring like now that she is going to be a queen of her people how does she guide them into this new world they live in oh that's awesome and i i am loving uh the designs and the layout of the panels in this as well uh what was some of the inspiration for character designs did you come up on those uh all by yourself or did you use anything kind of as a basis um he provides pretty detailed uh, descriptions in the books for the uh for the martian looking martians so you know there are on Mars, like there's kind of like chromatic races. You have like a red race, a white race, yellow race, black race, green race, blue race. Uh, and so everyone that's not green has a pretty standard description. Like they just look human, whether or not they have facial hairs, like their biggest distinguishing characteristic. The green Martians are uh, 12 to 15 feet tall and have... Uh, two legs, two arms, and then an intermediary set of limbs that they can use as legs or arms. <laughs> and uh, I tried to design those very in keeping with how they're described in the book. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't know that, you know, I'm 100% accurate, but I strive for a certain kind of accuracy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that just became kind of the guiding uh, principle of the character design. No one on Barsoom wears clothes in the books. They're frequently described as naked as the day they were born. Uh, <laughs> they wear like jeweled harnesses and that's it. And so like once I have like these templates, it's like I just I'll throw straps at them until it mm -hmm. seems like a good fit. And then like there's the character design right there. Everyone wears four belts and that's it. 
Man, uh, the green ones sound like they should have been on Space Jam. Holy crap. Being 12, <laughs> right. 15 foot tall. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, what's it like playing in uh, in space? I uh, The Western came after uh, Queen of Mars, correct? Yeah. So, no, actually, it came first. So, I drew Royo in 2020. And then I drew the first Mars book in 2021. Mm. Uh, so like Royo, I finished and then I just kind of sat on because um, originally I was thinking I was going to pitch it to publishers when it was done. But it, yeah, uh, I never got it like finished to the point where they would accept it. Uh, but so it just sat on my hard drive for a couple of years. Uh, he may yet conquer the first of the Mars stories in like april of 2021 i was working on oh would that have been when i was working on white ash maybe anyway i was looking for a project to like try out a new technique on like the raw mm -hmm. pencil look and so i just started working on pages and i would just draw like a page of he may yet conquer to see how it worked and then i ended up just having fun with it and i kept drawing and like i drew that whole first book in like three weeks because you know, the backgrounds were pretty sparse. The design was pretty simple. I was only doing a raw pencil look. I didn't have to do any finish work. So that whole mm -hmm. book came together very quickly. And uh, once I had like 16 or 17 pages of it, it was like, well, shit, I should do something with this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's when I started thinking about taking it to, to Kickstarter and, and making more of a story mm -hmm. out of it. Uh, I grew up with Edgar Rice Burroughs. Like I read all of his Tarzan books. I read all of his Barsoom books, Carson of Venus, Pellucidar, uh, just, just created so many worlds. And, you know, I'd read them all multiple times growing up. Um, it's just kind of a fun setting to work in because it is alien and bizarre. And it's like, you know what, I can draw a wonky building without a perspective mm -hmm. ruler. And like, it's just how they build on Mars. I don't have to justify this, which is nice. <laughs> uh, I enjoy drawing naked people. Naked people are easy to draw and they're fun to draw. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's in the books. Everyone's naked. Uh, so it's, you know, it just a lot of interests align. And uh, because everyone in the book is described as naked, I knew I wanted to draw the naked version, but I know not everyone likes to read naked comics, which is why there are two versions of each book. So uh, the Martian word for Mars is Barsoom. The Martian word for Earth is Jassoom. So it seemed like a fun gimmick to say, hey, here's a Barsoomian version where no one's wearing clothes. But then also over here, we have a Jassoomian version where everyone's wearing clothes. And then you can pick whichever one you want. Uh, with the first book, He May Yet Conquer, I printed both copies, both versions of the book. Mm -hmm. But unsurprisingly, the demand for the Jasumian Everyone's Wearing Clothes version was significantly less than the Barsumian <laughs> Everyone's Naked version. So for books two and three, I'm not printing a clothed version of those books. I'm only printing the naked version, but the clothed versions will still be available as a, uh, as a PDF. You know, I guess I never thought of uh, aliens naked. I mean, they're always you. You always see them naked, but I, you never just think of them as naked, right? It's like like animals, like they're naked, right? They're, yeah. <laughs> it's like in Disney's Robin Hood, Little John is wearing a shirt, but he's not wearing pants, and it's like, but so like, is is he naked, or like, is the shirt just decoration? Yeah. Like, what exactly <laughs> is going on here? 
Oh, that's awesome. I think right now would be a perfect segue. Let's go ahead and check out this Kickstarter and see what all the hype is about. So we are looking at a Queen of Mars issues one through three, Sword and Planet Adult Fantasy Epic on Edgar Rice uh, Burroughs uh, Barsom. The Medal of Mars is a queen's battle to rescue her princess. $9,949 of a $2,000 gold, 219 backers with seven days left to go. Congratulations on just killing this, like, abs you know, five times the goal right now. Uh, yeah. This has to be such an awesome feeling. Yeah, no, it feels great. Like, uh, this is going to be my first campaign over, you know, that magical and arbitrary $10,000 amount, which, mm -hmm. like, it feels it feels great. Yeah, congratulations. Everyone watching right there is the link to check this out with us. Uh, be sure to back. If you're unable to back, uh, put this on Facebook and Twitter. It is New Comic Book Day. You have nothing to lose simply by sharing it, and word of mouth is 100% free. So let's go ahead and scroll through some of this. So right here is a cover. Uh, for book three so give us a little bit of about like what we're looking at here um so uh Karkaget, the green guy in front is one of those 15 foot tall aliens he was the main character of he may yet conquer uh on mars as you do if you don't die in battle once you've aged up to a thousand years you're supposed to take this voluntary pilgrimage to the afterlife and so he may yet conquer opens up with Karkaget on that pilgrimage where uh, Fedor, the uh, princess with the jewel on her head we see there, uh, doesn't necessarily save him, but prevents him from from dying and takes Karkaget along on this adventure to uh, reclaim her, her kingdom. And uh, Sola, the green lady in the back, uh, a lover of Karkaget, has followed him on this journey to save him for her own reasons and so medal of mars is kind of these two women meet and karkaget has to make a decision what kind of life he is going to uh pursue after this what a rock in a hard place what a rock in a hard place <laughs> uh and I, I just love uh you know we see him all covered in blood and wielding just this huge sword too so this looks like uh i mean does it does it get uh, graphic and gory in it as well uh yeah i don't like drawing gore as much as i like drawing naked people but there is some blood like and i'm not god what's the the invincible guy uh ryan otley like mm -hmm. i've been looking at so much of his invincible work trying to figure out how to draw like gore and blood and spatter and gross like more effectively so there is some of that in this book but not not as much <laughs> as I thought there would be in the in the original planning stages. So what's the repercussion of having your pilgrimage, you know, get denied, you know, waiting, you know, a thousand years? It seems like it's like a high honor in this society. Uh, so it is before John Carter shows up. So in the events of the second book, uh, The Gods of Mars, John Carter kind of disrupts their whole religious system. Mm -hmm. and how they think about the afterlife and it's one of those subjects that like he just kind of comes through casually destroys and then no one ever mentions again and so that's kind of what i'm want to do in this book is like yeah what are those repercussions of like everyone has always gone through this but now there's no need and mm -hmm. karkiget specifically is this character where it's like he still chooses to go through this process knowing it's a sham because he finds comfort in it. And uh, is that good? Is that bad? Like, does it matter? It's it's one of the questions that Carpenter specifically struggles with 
um, over the course of the series. So is uh, is is Thark uh, an amputee? It looks like he might be missing some limbs on his uh, right side. Yeah, so there's the title of the first book comes from a saying amongst the Tharks. So the Tharks are just one of the one of the many tribes of green Martians. Uh, and there's a saying among the Tharks that leave to a Thark his head in one hand and he may yet conquer. So uh, mm. I wanted to make sure that Karkagit only had a head and only had one hand. And I took all of his, his other arms away. Brutal. <laughs> so brutal. I make that work. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's pretty messed up. But there's something about having uh, like a hero of his nature, right? Uh, be a little scarred up, be a little battle It is, torn. like, yeah, it's kind of interesting, like, especially in action scenes, trying to write and scene set and portray the action scene in a way that, like, Karkigat can hold his own, even only having one hand. Uh, and it's one of the fun things about drawing the Green Martians in general is, like, what are they doing with all of these arms? Like, if I had four arms, like, what would I do with them when I'm just casually standing, when I'm turning on a light switch, when I'm getting a drink? Like, you have three other limbs. What's happening? And so Karkigit is easy in the sense that, like, well, he's only got one hand. So, yeah. like, <laughs> the other limbs don't matter. But then it's also more difficult in that, like, he's used to having four limbs. Uh, mm -hmm. What does he do now that he's only got one? And so, like, they're... The Green Martians are a lot of a lot of fun to draw. It's... So you mentioned there was uh, many different uh, colors of uh, aliens within this. How do you distinguish the different ones? Uh, you know, only using pencil and no color. Um, so I don't really. Um, there are some of the firstborn aliens which have like a polished ebony skin, as it's described in the book. Mm. Like I. Uh, kind of shade them in completely to distinguish but for the most part i'm not i haven't introduced a lot of the other colors of martian races yet so it hasn't become an issue um after gotcha. the third issue i'm going to do a collected edition and i'm going to get the collected edition colored uh so that'll make that easier and then mm -hmm. going forward after that going back to the single issues i'll probably have those colored from the get-go instead of waiting for the collected edition can you imagine having one of these guys save your life and then you're standing uh, and you're just like face <laughs> full of alien junk like <laughs> yeah yeah so right here we have the queen uh this is such an awesome shot is this uh like a homage or a homage to anything uh not that i know of i just drew it um if, looks like a badass is, on the throne though yeah yeah right it's it's a pretty standard like badass on a throne shot if it you know if anyone out there finds something remarkably similar let me know i would like to you know provide credit when credit is due so i love this background too yeah i mean these i know you said that one of the uh perks of working in space is you really don't have to like abide by the laws of like traditional like world building like with the build like the buildings and like uh style like that so what goes into making martian like buildings these look just like completely out of this world um so i looked at a lot of like uh john buscema conan books uh gil kane did a john carter series for marvel in the 70s uh looking at like a lot of older artists to just see how they structured it um mm -hmm. but a lot of it too is just like during the sketch stage, I'll just throw random scribbles in the background. And then as I refine it, 
moving towards the finished pencils it's like well okay this kind of looks like this this kind of looks like that and i'll chase those ideas down until you know magically architecture appears i like like this one right here almost reminds me of like a like a seashell in in, in a sense like uh like the, the cone one the spiral cone yeah yeah gorgeous <laughs> thanks and of course some more interiors here too so uh, it looks like some of these later books, you get a little bit more detailed with this background. Yeah, so like that first book again was like very simple and I was kind of like learning. Like it's still, uh, I would say early on in my artistic career, the first book, mm -hmm. uh, I forget who says it, but there's something about like, you know, you've got to draw a hundred bad pages before you draw your first good page. Yeah. And he me at Conquer is you know, not inside my first hundred pages, but it's inside my first 200 pages. And so I'm still kind of finding a style and not just a style, but a, uh, a process, like just the process has a pretty big effect on, on results. And so mm -hmm. finding a style in a process, even between books one and three, you know, even though they're only two years apart, like I've drawn a lot in between those two years and so like my style and my process has changed so there the difference in art is is significant so we have a, a stretch goal as well uh the first stretch goal is a free pdf of the first uh kickstarter comics rovers happenstance a high fantasy adventure set in uh low places so this is 72 pages uh once you hit 8,000, so that's already been unlocked yeah uh, congratulations about that as well Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Rovers was my first Kickstarter. I ran in 2018. Um, it's uh, three 22-page stories in a single collection. Uh, I wanted to put it up there as a stretch goal because, uh, like Royo, I have drawn a fourth issue of Rovers that's just been mm -hmm. sitting on my hard drive <laughs> since then. So uh, my plan is to bring that to Kickstarter next before I do the collected edition of Mars. So, like, yeah, I'd like to get more people involved in the in the world of rovers before uh that comes back to kickstarter later this year let's go so what type of world is is this going to be it looks like it's a little bit different uh from the the first two you have already yeah so roya or rovers is high fantasy adventure set in the low places think uh firefly but in the time of the fellowship it's okay. uh it's a D, D group but everyone has boring backstories like <laughs> no one's a lost princess no one's involved in you know an ancient prophecy like uh kind of the guy i view as the viewpoint character gaberlin is a local magician who like survives by like casting a spell spell on stale ale and like mm -hmm. bringing it back up to you know freshness like that's that's what he does for a living you know <laughs> if you lock yourself out of your house you don't call a locksmith like gaberlin comes by and zaps it like mm -hmm. he just does you know trick magic to make ends meet and he's the kind of person that ends up in this group hey nothing worse than uh stale beer though so i mean that does right? seem yeah, like a right? worthwhile skill to have <laughs> <laughs> people a, people underestimate it until they're like oh but you know what this is actually pretty nice here's a look at the uh difference between like the the not for safe and the safe for work editions of, of these yeah covers so as well. because i'm not printing different versions of the book the jessumen and the barsumen i decided to carry that theme over into the covers um and so, like, I'll offer Jassumian and Barsumian safe for work and not safe for work covers, mm -hmm. even if all of the print interiors are the same. It still, you know, gives people options. 
Some very gorgeous covers here. Yeah, so I had Adam Markowitz and Chris Panda are those two covers. Uh, and they were, I got, I think, most of my cover recommendations I got from Terry Stickney this time. Because he knows mm. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like, I was super happy with those covers. And uh, really thrilled with how they came out. And then I did a cover here by Tango. is only exists as a Jasumian Safer Work cover. Uh, and then a little further down, I got a watercolor by Sean Joyce that exists only as a, as a not safe for work cover, which is that guy right there. And yeah, that's I really like that one, like kind of throws me back to like old paperback covers, mm -hmm. uh, which like, as soon as I saw his work, I was like, oh shit, like I definitely need one of those. Cause it just like, it perfectly captures the feel of these books, uh, mm -hmm. that I read growing up. And so like having that for my book now is amazing and that'd be terrifying having like three four swords coming at you like holy <laughs> crap <laughs> and of course we have some original art and sketch covers as well let's go ahead and check out uh some do you have oh, the hey, can you scroll back up for a second mm -hmm. there's right there there's fedor uh with the pencil so that's one of the ones i've just started doing that i really enjoy is i've started doing these 18 by 24 uh print so here's one i did for dream quest wow of a sofuku however you say his name but like i started doing these for dream quest and like these have been a blast i love mm -hmm. doing these and i've sold i think three of them so far with mars we sold three of them with dream quest and sold three of them with mars like i could not be more excited about those things they're so much fun yeah that is gorgeous so do you have uh, your pledges uh underneath this or are they just on the side uh they're they're underneath that they're towards the bottom yeah all right i do like add-ons and everything and then ones the just died, so i just gotta plug them in real quick all right and let's continue scrolling down we'll get to these uh, add-ons and uh reward tiers as well so right here we have you can get royal cheeks issue one as a pdf for 10 bucks uh pdf for five and the physical or, five, book or excuse me yeah. excuse me pdf for five physical for 10. And yeah. then we have Rovers. You can get the comic standard cover for 15 or the alternate cover for 20, PDF for 10. Uh, Hollow as well, trade uh, paperback at 20. You just have a ton of books I didn't know <laughs> that you had underneath you. Holy crap, man. Uh, Dream Quest as well. So a 48-page one-shot set in the universe of HP Lovecraft's Dream Cycle. Uh, PDF at 8 bucks or physical at 15. And then we have Queen of Mars. So you can get the digital uh, of issue one or uh, at seven, print at 12. And then uh, the uh, not safe for work at 10 and then the print at 15. We have book two at uh, the digital at 10, uh, safe for work at 12 and then the not safe for work 15. And then the alternate at 12 and then uh, not safe uh, for 15. Just a ton of awesome books in here. It's some beautiful prints as well. So uh, working on a Kickstarter, how important is it to have like merch, you know, diverse uh, merch like this? Like, uh, would you say for anyone like starting a Kickstarter? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted on it. It is nice like having to sell, but uh, it can confuse the issue. Like if you're on your first Kickstarter, I feel like you just want to put out what you're putting out, like mm -hmm. just a book just a sticker just a whatever like whatever the kickstarter is for i feel like focus on that 
and then work in stuff later on. I feel like with my Kickstarter with Rovers, I tried to do too much. And then my Kickstarter for He May Yet Conquer, I didn't do enough. And then a Queen of Mars 2, I think I went back to slightly too much. And then uh, Royal, I feel like was just right. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I, I'm happy with what I'm offering for Queen of Mars 3 too, which like is not a lot. Like, because you <laughs> the have only three stretch issues. Goal I did, yeah was was the pdf for rovers but it's like i'm working on like three books like i want to make sure that i offered enough choice just for getting this book as part of the series instead of like hey here's a bunch of like other stuff to shill mm -hmm. and uh during the queen of mars 2 kickstarter because i had a lot of stretch goals and i was offering a lot of this other stuff uh just running the Kickstarter itself was so much more work because like, I felt like I had to put out updates. I had to keep changing graphics. Whereas with Royo and Queen of Mars three, there's not nearly as much of that involved. And so like I can, you know, focus on doing the book, whatever, instead of like, well, I've got to constantly be on the Kickstarter, just maintaining what's going on there. Mm hmm. And we also have a trading card set as well. So once again, some awesome, awesome add-ons and reward tiers. Uh, backing board sketches. Uh, you're working on one right now too. So he he puts that work in. They very detailed, very gorgeous as well. So yeah, everyone watching right here is a link. Uh, check this out with us. If you're able to back, we would love to see that. But if not, simply just sharing this wherever you can. Word of mouth is 100% free. I'm trying to get as many eyes on this as possible is what we're trying to do today. So we have a three-in-one collection as well. Yep, you can get uh, PDFs. You can get, you know, a collection, the Jassumian or the Barsumian uh, as PDF collections, you know, and then you move into the, the physical tiers where you can't get, you know, like a Jassumian all three physical tier because two and three won't be physical. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is awesome. Some awesome, awesome work as well. Uh, shout out to Tango. I, uh, Tango, I just recently helped set up an interview uh, that we, we just uh, did not too long ago. So always awesome seeing familiar uh, creators uh, on other projects as well. So after yeah, like, going... Oh, go ahead. No, I just like Tango's work like... As soon, like the first time I saw her stuff, like I was just like in awe. I mm -hmm. absolutely love her stuff. Like it is, I don't know what it is about her art that speaks to me so deeply, but like legitimately she is one of my favorite artists. <laughs> like I just cannot get enough of her work. Absolutely. So for anyone who might be on the fence about backing, what would you like to say to them to kind of help push them over that edge? Uh, it's just a fun tear them up fantasy adventure where everyone's voluntarily decided not to wear clothes so if that's your thing like yeah i think it'll be a good fit hey and if it's not your thing there is a safe for work so you can yeah, still have yeah. fun with that adventure and uh put some clothes on them as well so <laughs> yeah and it's black and white so you know draw your own clothes it's a coloring book too if you want it you know you've got <laughs> options there are some options so what's next for you in 2023 uh, i know you said you were working on three series uh is there anything else that you're um, maybe so eyeballing I'm going to launch the the Rovers Kickstarter uh, sometime in the summer, Mars Collected Edition sometime in the fall. I'm working on two, possibly three other series, not that I am writing, but that I'm drawing. So mm -hmm. I don't know that any of those are ready to be announced yet. 
Uh, but hopefully later this year, at least uh, two, if not three of those, you know, we'll, we'll see announcements. Cool, cool. And that is right around the corner. So stay tuned, guys. Be sure to be following Mick on Twitter to stay up to date when those new projects do get announced. So you've been on the show before. You know the drill. We always love asking for a piece of advice before we let the guests go. So uh, with this being your second time around, I got to ask, you know, for someone who's working on so many different projects, uh, how do you how do you find, you know, timing to balance them? Like for anyone out there who is looking to take on another project, what would be some of your advice to help them? know be able to do that while keeping like quality in check you know and and not losing their sanity i think like what i like about having different projects is it helps keep each project a little fresher um Mm -hmm. you know like if i need to come back to this with like fresh eyes and try to see it differently then it's like i'll hop over to another book or another project for you know a couple days a couple pages whatever uh and then it helps coming back each time i come back to a project then it helps kind of like this is working this isn't working that kind of thing uh i think the thing is is you just got to keep things in perspective which sounds weird uh like the goal is progress the goal is a finished book and so i don't have like oh i need to get so many pages done today Mm -hmm. i need to get so many pages done this week it's more of like by the end of this month this is where i want to be at on this project this is where i want to be at on this project this is where i want to be at on that project and like artistically i i'm a sprinter (laughs) so like i won't draw a page for days and then like in one day like i'll draw three pages Uh, yeah so it just kind of like you got to know you got to know yourself what are your own moods what are your own peaks and valleys like Mm-hmm. how do you get work done and it's like it's going to be on you to line up how you get work done with the work you need to get done and if you can keep those in balance then you'll be fine it doesn't matter how you get there as long as yeah. long as those two are in check yeah, as long so, as you get there eventually yeah are, are you a, a sprinter because like that self-imposed time limit i know for me uh with what i do like if i have like a self-imposed time limit like i'm more prone to get it done you know i i often find that if i don't have like that time limit i will go days without like feeling like i need to get anything done until no no it's not it's not the time limit for me it's the next project like i've got to have another project lined up and it's like i need to finish this before i can move on to that Mm. like that's what helps me if i have a time limit on it like my daughter loves to run on a treadmill and i absolutely hate it because if i'm on the (laughs) treadmill for a certain amount of time i've got no motivation because i'm going to be stuck here for 30 minutes like i'm going to waste 30 minutes of my life why even bother gotta put a podcast on (laughs) (laughs) whereas like if i as soon as i get off the treadmill i'm heading to wendy's like yeah i'll bust out that mile whatever like i'll get it done in two minutes so i can go to wendy's after that but if i'm still going to be on the treadmill after I finish my mile, why am I even running the mile? And see, I had uh, too many baconators, so I had to get in, <laughs> in the habit of, you know, because I have to get on that treadmill. So I'm like, you know what? Instead of sitting on my computer and going through t- social media, I'm just gonna be hitting social media up while I'm on the treadmill. While you're on the treadmill, so, so yeah. I'm like responding back. I'm hitting the likes back, hitting my notifications. I'm like, look at me go. 
<laughs> multitasking yeah <laughs> no that is awesome Mick thank you for swinging by this has been such an awesome chat everyone watching right here is the link to check this out it is new comic book day you have nothing to lose by simply sharing this on Facebook and Twitter word of mouth is 100% free and getting as many eyes on this project as possible it's what we're trying to do I had an awesome time with you thank you once again for swinging yes, by it's always back. a pleasure to get you back on the show everyone watching I hope you all have a fantastic Wednesday afternoon but most importantly guys keep it geekly